Welcome to Coast to Coast, an NBA podcast by the fans, for the fans. My name is Chris, and hosting with me is my guy, Ronan. Tune in every week as we dive into the hottest content and emerging rumors across the league. Dodgers pulls up, three-pointer, bang, bang, it's good, Dodgers wins the game at the buzzer. Don't miss a beat, whether it's a star on the move or the Knicks acquiring another forward, we got you covered. Zion for four, for four, welcome to the NBA. The game is constantly evolving, and whether it's by the eye test or advanced stats, we'll give you the analysis you need to take your fandom to the next level. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! Sit back and relax. Coast to Coast starts now. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Coast to Coast. We're here on a Wednesday, Tump Day. We just got in the Suns and Warriors, the Nets and Knicks last night. Two massive games, massive implications. Ron, it's good to see you in the morning, man. How you doing? You ready to talk some big basketball? Uh, big time. I was, it was that game last night, it, it was everything we wanted it to be, but probably not in the way that we, we expected it to be. But uh there's plenty, plenty to discuss. The, the, the Suns' defense, my God, it was unbelievable. This is one of those games where, you know, it was completely dictated by the defensive minds of both coaches and the obvious defensive talents that both these teams possess. Um, so it's cool to see a duel that you have this high-octane offense with Steph Curry and Devin Booker, but those weren't the stories. It wasn't a duel of Curry against... Devin Booker, we weren't staring at highlights of Devin Booker getting mid-range shots and Steph Curry hitting ridiculous threes. We saw two top two defenses, really, going to war against each other. And it, it wasn't just all heart hustle. It was some in unbelievable defensive talent on display here. And it, it, was a, it was a true testament to where the league has gone this year and how valuable defense has been for these contenders. Yeah, big time. I think uh, you always say it's, it's the defense is, the, is what wins your championships. And, and both these teams showed their credentials last night by showing how good they can be on, on the defensive end of things. I mean, you look at the Warriors, they kind of, they really kind of focused on the the zone defense and the box one defense. And, and it was working well up until Booker went down, really, because uh, Booker only really got two shots off when he was able to get one-on-one, they were the only two times he scored before he, uh, before he got injured in the second quarter. So it, it was working well for them. And uh, the way the Suns had to kind of change their, their game plan on offense after Booker went down, it really kind of benefited them almost. It's weird to say that Booker going down ultimately gave the Suns the best chance to win this game. Uh, yeah, I feel like they adjusted really well. I, I feel like they took the opportunity to do a lot of different things. Um, and you saw them really lean into their advantage in the paint. Aiton had a fantastic game. If if you looked at him in the third quarter, I mean, what he had by then was, at, I want to say it was 16 and 10 by midway through the third quarter. It wasn't anything that was jumping immediately off the page. But the way that he was controlling the paint, especially early on, he had three offensive rebounds in the first six minutes 
the way that he was really for he's forcing two three warriors to get on him to box him out I mean, he's collapsing the defense by his presence alone and that gave the Suns a dynamic that allowed them to get an advantage over this team and man I mean what, what, a, what an answer to a call for a guy who you know we consistently ask for him to show up in big moments and he absolutely did in this game yeah I think the 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 big man were kind of the the, the thing people were looking towards in this game it was kind of a lot of a lot of people a lot of the people previewing this game were saying can Aiton show up if this guy shows up that gives the Suns the edge here and it's absolutely true and it was just big men in general because when JaVale McGee came into the game he oh, was yeah. having it his own way just just the same just the same I mean he played eight minutes he had he had eight points and didn't miss a shot I mean he was just as effective in the short uh, short spell of time that he was in the game that is the weakness at the moment of this Warriors team. And it's not like, as much as I like to, to, to praise Aiton and stuff, it's not like he's a, he's a Giannis or a, or a Jokic-type dominant big, one of the best in the league or anything. But these two guys dominated that, that Warriors team inside. And that, that may be an area that the team might have to look at, trying to strengthen a little bit just so they, they aren't involved in that sort of thing uh, without Wiseman and the team. Yeah, think about how huge it's going to be for the Warriors. Because right now, really, that feels like maybe not their only weakness. You saw they could have used a little bit more off the dribble creation if Curry didn't have it going, Poole didn't have it going. They, they had no one else to go to. I mean, Poole had a great game, but there's just certain points where the length of the Suns' defense was bothering both him and Curry, and the only thing they could really get was step contested step-back threes. Um, the way that they were able just to, to communicate defensively, again, we – can tack on we can talk all day and maybe maybe we will talk about like all the things that they did defensively which is amazing but yeah the warriors need wise they really need him in these situations in these kind of matchups because that's going to be something they can do all day and yeah Aiton's not Jokic Aiton's not Giannis but he is a guy who knows how to use his mobility knows how to use his length his height in order to control a game like that and I think that's something that he's done a good job of you know, I I still feel that with his talent, he should have left this game having like a, a 30 and 15, the way it was going. Yeah. There were just some times where like he was just missing at the rim and just you just want to see him put his body on a guy because he has the 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 nimble feet and the footwork in order to get a good look. But sometimes he's just leaving some of these shots short and you're like, all right, you can take that another level. But the Warriors need Wiseman. They, they needed a guy just with that size. And let's not not give Looney credit because I mean this guy is so impressive when you watch him his ability to stay on a guy like Devin Booker Chris Paul even on the switch that that's huge for the Warriors but he is just not the same caliber of big man that Aiden is he doesn't have the frame he doesn't have the physical ability he did his best and that's all you're going to get um but man kudos to Aiden kudos to to him to not just be the big man side but having that two-man game with Chris Paul is what allowed them to have that lead in the final six minutes. That's what allowed them to go on that 14-7 run. He had 10. He was responsible for 10 points off five screen assists. And I mean, everyone hates that stat. But when you watch the defense really crash into Aiton on his dives to the rim, especially when they're playing the drop, Chris Paul was hitting those shots in his sleep. If the defense goes to a drop and they need to get back to Aiton running towards the rim, like, he's not going to miss those. And he proved it tonight. Chris Paul had his uh, reminder to the league that 
when he needs to be, I mean, he's still a superstar in this league. He's not going to do it every single night, but when he has to, he's going to do it, and he's going to do it with the ease that he's had his whole career. Yeah, I think Chris Paul, this whole season, he's just been showing the true value of, of a great point guard as, as part of this uh, this Phoenix Sun team. I mean, last night was just everything you want out of Chris Paul, everything you want out of, out of your point guard. 15 points, 6 boards, 11 assists, 5 steals. I mean, that's just Chris Paul all over. He came up in the clutch when he was needed. And when you're watching him play, he always gets the ball to the person that's hot. He always finds a hot hand. And he's just in control of everything that's going on in the game throughout. And I always just feel like, obviously, this isn't the case. But when you watch him, he only shoots when he absolutely knows he's going to score. That's that's honestly how it feels when you're watching him. And he finally goes, all right, fine. I better just put put this up. And more often than not, it, it seems to go in for him. But we're seeing a lot of people are, are giving out about uh, um, some missing point guards from the league, the likes of the John Wall and the Simmons and the, and the Kyrie. And it's good to see Chris Paul is still there showing everyone what a real top point guard is. And it's great that he is still able to do it at this age and showing why the, the Suns were willing to give him the contract that they did. Yeah. I mean, dude, look at the way he played. It was, it was so clinical the way he's just diagnosing what the defense is doing. And if you look at this sequence, you're, you're absolutely right. He's getting to the right guy every single time he's thinking he's not just a, you know, we, we have fast uh, pass first as a term for a lot of guards in this league. And that doesn't come close to describing the intellect with which who he chooses to pass to and how he's doing it to break the defense. Cause as they were sending more help off that pick and roll, he knew that help was coming from the, from the weak side corner and Shamit didn't have the opportunity to get hot until the end of the game. And he knew he was open every single time. And for him to Shamit getting that dagger at the end of the game was no chance pass. It, it wasn't something that, you know, just, just materialized out of nowhere. Like Chris Paul, was working his way towards that play for the past quarter. And it was amazing to, to see that, not just against some defense. This is the Golden State Warriors. We've been harping on all year about how amazing of a defense they've had. Um, and we got to give the, the, at some point, we got to give the Warriors credit for the defense they played too, because the, the turnovers were everywhere this game. Um, the Suns ultimately win that, uh, that turnover battle, forcing the 19 turnovers leading into 22 points. Um, but the words did their job too. But for Chris Paul, I mean, he he figured out what they're trying to do, and his ability as a pick and roll player. I mean, if you look at um, efficiency wise, you're saying he's not going to miss a shot. He leads the league right now in field goal percentage in those pick and roll plays. Um, obviously, when you're when you're filtering for for possessions, for any player with seven or more pick and roll possessions, he is the most efficient scorer in the league. Uh, that that isn't is not a surprise in in any way when you hear when you hear a stat like that uh, referring to referring to Chris Paul. I mean, let's just lay it out. The Suns just just so so impressive. I mean, eighteen and three now. They're level with the Warriors, top of the West. Seventeen straight wins, and these last three games have you could argue been the only real challenging games that they've faced yeah. and they've come out on the right yeah. side of it looking yep. super shiny and that's 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 a, that's a really positive sign for this team being able to kick on from what they did last year and, and cement another challenge yeah and this is a huge uh we had mentioned it but this i think was a huge statement win um 
for the Suns. It's, it's a big statement game for either of these two teams because they've had such easy strengths of schedule. They've played amazing. They've played like a championship contender should. But you could argue that, you know, both of them had bottom three um, easy schedules. And the Suns easily passed these tests the past few games. Um, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say easily this game, but it did feel like the Suns controlled the pace the whole game. They were forcing quick possessions for the Warriors and they were being patient on their own end. Like they weren't rushed into a lot of shots. I mean, they, they had some moments here and there, but for most stretches of this game, their defense and their pace with Chris Paul and getting the ball inside to Aiton, like they were able to cement their identity on this game in the way that the Warriors never could because Curry just ne- they were just surviving until Curry could get going. You had great moments from Wiggins. You had obviously Otto Porter Jr. dragging the, he looked like a, a revelation uh, what he was like coming on in Washington. But he, th- those two guys were putting in the right runs that the Warriors usually need for Curry to get going. But I mean, the Suns were just so committed to preventing curry from being the guy to win this game i mean to to hold him to that kind of performance in a game like this was unbelievable yeah just to lay that right out there this steph curry's worst shooting night of his career when he's had at least 20 shots that was 12 points went 421 from the field three of 14 from three and that is a testament to the entire sun's defense and probably most importantly mikhail bridges i mean he yeah. had a shocking night on the offensive end. He only ended up with one bucket, but he yeah. had four steals. He was guarding Steph Curry and doing a great job of that. So you'd still have him right up there when you're talking about uh, star performers in this game. Despite the, the cold offensive night, he was right up there with, with one of the key key man for, for the Suns and why they got this victory. Yeah, he had one of the best plays of the game. Um, Aiton gets switched out on Curry on the wing. And Aiton had just recently blocked one of Curry's step-back threes. So Curry's smart. He attacks the middle. He gets Aiton off the first step. And Bridges is on weak side help. And he stays till like the last possible second on Draymond Green. So Curry couldn't get that pocket pass off. And he blocks him on the far side of the rim. Like Curry is so one of the best guards um, I've seen at being able to flick a layup over the defender. He has such a, such a wide and high release and bridges came all the way over off of help at the very last second and blocked it. And, you know, they, they just had those plays all game long contesting him at the rim, contesting a step back three that never let him get a rhythm. And Curry said that at the end of the game, they had no answer for their length and their defensive efforts. Their, their multiple efforts on defense, really. Um, you see so many plays where you can switch on to Aiton and Aiton does an amazing job moving his feet. And, you know, Curry may, might not have gotten the first time. So he sets up, resets at the top of the key and tries it again. Aiden does a great job on just multiple efforts. Bridges doing it all game long. Um, that just, they have to, they, they got to get more attention for how good they are defensively for all the attention you've given the Warriors. I think they've, they've made a huge statement to the league to pay attention to the team that is arguably the championship favorite right now, just, just in, in our sample size of what we have right now and how things have hashed out. I, I think you could say that they, you know, they're not an odds on favorite, but they've made a really good case for, Hey, if you're going to say the Warriors are quote unquote favorites, then you better be talking about us too. Yeah. hundred percent. They, they did all they could do last night. That was, I think Mikhail Bridges has, has alluded to it. Like the, 
the big likes of ESPN and the Sports Center, all those sort of things, they haven't really been covering the Suns just because the Warriors have been so hot. They've been they've been the main ticket on the yeah. the Lakers struggles. The Suns have kind of fallen by the wayside. But that game last night was their their answer to to everyone and just say, yeah, we're still here. It wasn't just luck that got us to uh, the finals last year. We're ready mm-hmm. to make another run out of this season. Holding the Warriors to under 100 points for the first time this season as well. And the first time in like 40 plus games, I think going back to last season. So yeah, this team is serious and legit. And that's even without Devin Booker, which is even even scarier. Yeah. And you uh, you look at recent history. They're approaching 20 straight games. Um, obviously, they'll have to survive and leave the Pistons, the Warriors again. Um, but if they win 20 straight games, they join the Milwaukee Bucks, the Houston Rockets, the 2015-16 Warriors, the 2012-13 Miami Heat, and the 71-72 Lakers as teams that have had 20-plus games straight in a season. And three out of five of them went on to win championship. Um, the teams that didn't, you see the Warriors, they lost that 3-1 lead against LeBron. So, I mean, they're as close as you can possibly get to a championship. So, I mean, statistically, they're already approaching the echelon of being considered a championship favorite, not just a contender, you know, favorite, if, if, they, if they continue winning. Again, strength of schedule, well, they've, they've been able to, to build a really easy rhythm while playing bad teams, but they're playing the good teams now. And they're making statement wins. So I, I think the national media, I don't think they care about that, to be honest. The players don't care about that. But in terms of the correct narrative that the NBA should have, in terms of the stories we tell, the things we care about, this is absolutely one that should be told and one that we should care about. Yeah, and it works in their favor if they want to, they want to stay quiet on it because teams aren't, aren't going to realize it until they come up and, yeah. uh, and face them. If they want to talk about Warriors, they got to talk about Phoenix too. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in today. As the season heats up, we'd love to connect over social media and carry out the conversation with you, fan. You can find us on Instagram at coast2coast00 and Twitter at coastnba. Hit our DMs with any topics you want to discuss and join the conversation today. Now, back to the rest of the episode. And... We avoided we avoided talking with Knicks Nets until now. I, I think it's I think it's time. Um, I wish I could have started this this episode with a bang bomb. We could not. <laughs> we came so close, so close. But you know, I think we both walk away from this, um, especially you, with some cautious optimism about how competitive this game was, and the fact that it did come down to the line against a team that, you know, I think we feel at this point of the season is very superior to the Knicks. But I, I think the Knicks are reclaiming some of their identity. And, I mean, I, I just want to know what you saw on this. Did, did you feel a little better about Randall? You've been on his case the past few weeks now. I, I think he had a huge game tonight and really almost led them to the win here. Yeah, he, he was he was better tonight. He was he was still doing the things that have annoyed me this season, forcing up shots that don't need to be forced up. He still did a lot of that, but he was a little bit more like the Julius Randle we saw consistently last season. And yeah, I there was a there was a point there that the the start of the third quarter, 
where I was thinking, all right, I'm going to be crying on the podcast tomorrow uh, talking <laughs> about what these Knicks have done. But they they weathered the storm. They got back into it. They played to their strengths. And it went down to the wire. I'm just really disappointed now that we ended up losing to freaking Johnson free throws <laughs> and not to a, a Harden or a KD shot. Like that's, yeah, you lose to Harden or KD, fair enough. Losing to Johnson at the free throw line, that's just not good enough. Man, you just hate to see Mitchell Robinson swipe down on that play because he just mm-hmm. easily has the contest or the block. Um, yeah, Mitchell Robinson, seven rebounds, eight points, one block. Um, efficient night, four or five, across 25 minutes. But he hasn't felt like Mitchell Robinson. No. And he hasn't made his presence known. And I expected him to have a bigger game here. Um where he can really outsize anyone on the Brooklyn Nets. And I mean, he's, he's more athletic than their bigs as well. I mean, he's going up against Paul Millsap and the Marcus Aldridge all night. And, you know, the, the battle of the boards um, was, was won, but not by a margin that really allowed them to have any sort of um, advantage in that department. So I, I don't know. I, I feel like he's still really struggling with, with injury. He just doesn't look like he has the spring in his step. Like his, his ability to protect the rim seems to have diminished. And even just that last play, it didn't feel like he was trying to get vertical. He was just being desperate, swiping down on that play. Yeah, I think it's just a, kind of a combination of everything. Maybe there's still a hint of the injury there. Maybe the injury is still playing on his mind a bit. And maybe he just still hasn't got back into the shape that he wants to be in. Because, I mean, he's, he's definitely playing last minute. And whenever he's going out, he's always looking pretty gassed whenever he's there. Uh, whenever he's leaving the court. So, yeah, it, it's it's disappointing because one thing we all said last year was we were impressed by how good the Knicks defense was, and we were thinking, we don't even have Mitchell Robinson in this lineup. When yeah. he comes back, it's going to get better. But instead, it's gone the, it's gone the opposite way. Yeah. He, hasn't, he hasn't been the leader on defense that we, we were hoping he was going to be. And hopefully, that's just some, that's something that can, will come. Hopefully, it's just a health and maybe a little bit of fitness issue. And maybe that will come as we progress in the season, but early doors, there's definitely some, some issues still there with Mitch Robinson. Yeah. But the Knicks defense already looks better and it's been a couple games now, but the Kemba effect will be reckoned very soon. Um, it, I'm pulling this off of a, a Knicks blogger who found this. Uh, I can't, I can't remember the name of the, the blog, but He's arguably the worst defender in the NBA. I didn't even realize. I've, I've not seen this before, but for Kemba Walker, opponent field goal percentage increases by 13% when he was on the floor. That is, that is catastrophic, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Opponents are sco- were scoring 18 more points per 100 possessions when he was on the floor. Without Kemba Walker, the Knicks actually had it in their lineups without Kemba Walker. If you pull him out of there and you run their defensive stats, they had the second best defensive rating in the NBA to the Warriors. That is shocking. And it makes more sense the past couple of games, and it makes more sense in the game you saw last night, where they were able to do a lot more defensively with Burks out there, um, especially against James Harden, um, who, had, who had a great night. I mean, he had an amazing night, but... I'm just picturing that with, with against Kemba Walker, and I don't think they survive this game. I don't think it's relatively close if Kemba is in the rotation. 
just sad, ultimately sad to see, but just from a Knicks perspective, they're already playing better. Um, Burks comes in with a great offensive performance as well, in addition to his defense. But I think there's potential for them to grow from this. Yeah, definitely. I think we're going to, it's only been a, a couple of games, I'd say we're definitely going to have the next couple of weeks at the very minimum of, of this. And we'll really get to see a, a, a clear sample size of, of what improvements that that can be made. But Burke's very, very, very impressive. Uh, I, I was kind of a bit hesitant about him coming into the starting lineup just because I loved what he was doing for us as, as part of uh, as part of the second unit. But last night, 25, five and five, he was, he came up clutch. He came up in the big moments when we needed it. That bucket, he he was there to deliver. And if he keeps playing that way, I think it's uh, all signs pointing to the Knicks getting closer to the team, at very least the team that they were last season. So far, it's it's been it's been disappointing. But the, what we get from the the likes of Burks, Quickly, Rose, Toppin. IQ and Toppin especially have, have stepped up have stepped up this year. And you're just thinking if Randall can get back to being the guy that he was last year, Burks kind of can step on now as a starter. And hopefully Barrett's, I think he was sick last night, which is why he went out of the game. Hopefully he can eight, get back eight minutes, yeah. for a bit more consistency. There's, there's, Nick, there's, there's serious potential on this Knicks team, especially with the overall strength and depth that they have. We just don't have our top guys playing at the top level. I think that's the biggest issue that's facing the Knicks so far this season. Yeah. I want to talk about the game specifically because it's something that I've noticed a lot. Um, and I, I can't blame, I don't want to blame Randall because it feels like it's part of the system, but they've relied so much having Randall create in the high post, the mid post, and just having everyone else just kind of space out. It doesn't, I don't feel like there's enough movement for the guys that they have. Like Evan Fournier is a great motion shooter. Emmanuel quickly, I think has a lot of moments where he's a great motion shooter. So I mean, you have two really good catch and shoot guys who I think should be running off screens. And, you know, Randall looks like a ball hog when he gets it in the mid post and no one moves. Like there's so many moments like that. And you saw a lot of that in the third quarter when the Nets go on a 14-0 run. And, and it just feels so predictable that Randall is either going to take a fadeaway or he's going to drive super hard to his left. And I, I think one thing that, you know, you can talk all you want about um, the officials and how the game was called. I, I think that that definitely, I definitely could have played an impact. You look at 25 to 12 um, on the free, on the free throw battle there. Um, Randall only taking two free throws seems very small for a guy getting that much contact but credit the nets they really collapsed in on him very well i mean they they knew how to defend him it, it felt pretty he, he's not a very multi-dimensional scorer when he's your go-to scorer your offense by definition became becomes pretty one-dimensional and i looked at tips on that tips that there needs to be more emotion especially a defense like the nets who have really turned it on i mean they have guys like DeAndre Bembry out there looking like all NBA defensive guys, the way, the way they're flying around. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I think that, I think there's gotta, there's gotta be a change there and it's not just going to be on, you know, the Barrett getting better, Randall getting better and guys just playing to their potential. I think there, there's gotta be some sort of systemic change um, soon. 
Yeah, and you'd like to think that the introduction of Burks into the starting lineup and Kemba out of the rotation, you have to hope, I hope anyway, that's the first step towards some sort of systemic change on the offensive end. We've got the likes of Fournier in now, and like, like you mentioned, him rolling off screens quickly is getting better this year. It's time to start playing to their strengths as well. It's so It happens way too often in games so far this season, and it happened again for periods last night where it was just give the ball to Randall. Let, let, let's see what he can do with it. And if that didn't work, we got, we got, we got nothing else. The, the lack of movement in certain stages of the game last night was, was just really disappointing. And, and it's such a basic thing. Like you, you watch all the best teams and their players are always on the move. And that's why it's so hard to defend against. And that's why, mm-hmm. especially the start of the third quarter last night, it was so easy for, for the nets to, get stops on the defensive end and uh, turn that into points on the offensive end. But to go more on the nets, Harden, he looked like he was ready to get back into being James Harden. 28 points in, in the first half. He goes 8 of 12, 9 of 10 from the free throw line. But then he finishes with 34, which is, it's it's a bit disappointing. He's, he's still going on about how he can't, has to figure out how, when to facilitate, when to score, Yada yada yada. He's James Harden. He is one of, if not the top scorer in the NBA. If he goes back to scoring the ball, the facilitating will come with that. And he was doing yeah. that in the first half, and then he yeah. just stopped. If he kept going in the same spin that he was in the first half, no way were the Knicks going to be as close as they were in the end. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's it's funny, right? Because you know we we hold him to such a standard that he scores 34 in a pretty big game against a really good defensive team. And we're like, you should have dropped 40, <laughs> but it is true. He, he came and went and you could say the same thing for Durant who only scored six points in the first half. And what, what happened in the second half, he knew that run was going to come. You knew that he was going to get his rhythm and he scores 21 in the second half and he takes over this game. And he's the reason why the nets were able to win this game. Um, and, and I think, I think you're absolutely right. If you look at how aggressive he was trying to get to the rim, aggressive, he was trying to get to his floater, trying to get to his left and how that first step really comes alive when he is aggressive like that. I mean, he can score at will. And I think this Nets team has enough, um, unselfish play and passing and the way that the Knicks don't really have as a unit that they can survive stretches where Harding gets a little bit selfish. I mean, he's he's really committed and felt it feels overcommitted ever since he came onto this net squad last season to overpassing in a way. But he had moments where he really abandoned that and got back to his old self. And that's what really allowed him to get back into his natural role, which is score first and pass second. Um, if if that if he can channel that, I, I definitely agree. I, I think this this game isn't close. Um, Durant's going to figure it out. And if Harden's got it going all game, then you know, this isn't going down to James Johnson free throws at the last few seconds. That might have been easier to take. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know. You'd almost, almost rather get blown out, I guess. But the, the Nets, too, they, they had some guys who are filling in the shoes of Joe Harris, who's going to miss up to six to eight weeks due to ankle surgery. Um, Cam Thomas finally getting Your some boy. burn. <laughs> I did this guy, you, you watch him. I think he dropped 40 in the G league the other week. Um, effortlessly. 
And that's the adjective that really speaks to his game when you watch him. He's just such an effortless shooter. He knows how to get to his spots. And as a rookie, he doesn't really have the the mind for it. He the game's a little too quick for him. It gets away from him plenty of times. But he played well. He shot fifty percent from three. He was doing a good job spacing the floor, knowing when to cut, knowing to take advantage of um, of doubles on Harden or Durant. So he being that third guy. If they can give him some run here while Harris is out, I, I think he's a kind of rookie that he's going to be able to develop quickly if he's given the opportunity. And you see him getting coached on the floor by Harden and Durant all game long. Um, you know, they they don't they don't let him get away with missed rotations. They don't let him get away with with not cutting when he should cut or coming to the ball when he should come to the ball. Like you, you see them coaching him up all game long. You see Steve Nash doing it too. A guy like this with the offensive talent that he has. I think this this injury to Joe Harris, you know, it, it sucks right now for their for their encore game, but it's going to do huge dividends for them if Cam Thomas gets the opportunity to grow over these next few months. Yeah, definitely. I think he, he was impressive uh, in, in in the time he was on the court last night, and and you love that the the way that that Durant and Harden and Nash are obviously Durant and Harden are, are ballers now. Nash was was one of the greatest point guards of all time. And they're coaching him up all the time. And that's that's going to be huge for a rookie player. He is not going to be let go anything. He's going to have to be held accountable. And that's going to help him grow. This is a team that are ready to win now. If he wants to be part of this win now team, he's going to have to develop quickly. And he's more than capable of doing that. Yeah. And Patty, Patty Mills had a rough game. But um, he he definitely is going to fill that role as well. Um, you see him get minutes from um, DeAndre Bembry, who he he's a really he's a really fun two way guy. I mean, he goes 100 percent all game long, and he him and Bruce Brown. It almost feels like Bembry has replaced the Bruce Brown minutes. They're using Bembry in that same way. Um, his ability to to cut and crash hard on the glass. Um, like that block he had on IQ in the oh my in the, the second God. half. Was, I just came out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, that was hidden in Atlanta. That was hidden in Toronto. He's been doing this for a while now. And the Nets have a guy here. And they're really starting to form a good def- defensive identity around their, you know, Javon Carter's only got two two minutes in this game. But you got Javon Carter. You got Bruce Brown. You got DeAndre Beverly. You got a few guys who are just absolute bulldogs. And in the playoffs, I mean, that's going to be huge, absolutely huge. Um yeah, I mean, this felt like a typical game from the Nets. Uh, they they had one of their stars going in the first half, not the other. And then they got the other in the second half. The rest of the guys played really good defense. LaMarcus Aldridge, good pick-and-pop guy. You got your threes from your shooters. Like, th- this is their formula. This is what they do. Um, so, so I guess it wasn't as expected as as the Knicks. But I, I kind of want to go back, talk a little, little more Knicks, though. Um you know, watching this game and seeing them compete, the Battle of the Burrows um, gave us hope. I, I think it, it gave me hope in what their identity is going to be like moving forward. And someone put this article, I feel like came out yesterday, two days ago, a uh, trade for Kemba Walker <laughs> that included John Wall. John Wall, who is Maroons in Houston for Kemba Walker. And I wonder if that's something that could unlock a lot of what this team needs. They need a point guard who's going to set the table because we were just talking about how they are relying too much on ISO, not a lot of motion. I think a lot of that comes from the fact that there are no natural point guards in this on this team. 
even Kevin Walker, I mean, he, he's a point guard, but he is not a guy who really sees the game well enough to orchestrate a really good offense. And I, I think John Wall is much better at doing that. But I, I imagine that is a trade that makes this game look a lot different. If you have a guy like John Wall on this team who can figure those type of things out, he can problem solve on the court, and he's going to really help your team in transition. Yeah, I mean, we're seeing the value of top point guards around the league so far this season. And if the Knicks have an opportunity to potentially get one in without having to give up too much, it's got to be an idea worth exploring. I'll, I'll say that say that for nothing. Yeah, I, I'd love to love to see that. Love to see that change because I, I like I mean, I get what you're saying about having Alec Burks in there to be a change, add a new dynamic, a new wrinkle. Um, but I feel like he's also a guy that needs to look for a shot. He needs to, mm-hmm. you know, pull the trigger and be fearless with that. That's what he does. I mean, how many fourth quarter um, heroics has he had over the past couple of years? But he's not a guy who's going to add that dynamic of unselfish playmaking and setting the table for other people, especially your Barrett, especially your your Robinsons. Um, that's that's a huge a huge need for this team that they've they've got to fill. Um, because the defense clearly is there. Defense is better, and they've got their scorers. They they know how to score when they're on a run, but when they get in those ruts, that 14-0 run in the third quarter. I mean, that's what really sealed the deal. Um, they came close, but they gotta avoid stuff like that with a good point guard. Yeah, 100 percent I think that was that was the way you kind of saw, even though they made the comeback from then, it was just it's happening too much in games. Obviously, usually they don't make the comeback after going on these runs where they, where they they go for the world of the 10, 10 plus points without a, without answers. It's happened. It's happened more than a few times so far this season. They actually managed to get close uh, last night, but usually they don't. And that's, it, it, it's tough going. It, it wears that extra bit on the body when you're playing so many games and you're having to, to work that extra bit hard when you're going down and you're having to try to make comebacks. So yeah, that's something that really that they really need to stop. It's something that wasn't really happening last year. So they got to find a way to, to just sure things up and, and have like, you even looked last night, the, the Suns game and you see there was, there were stages where the, the Warriors were threatening to go on runs. Then CP3 would just slow things down, get find the open man and get, get a bucket to just stem the flow. It was just the way it is. So, the Knicks, the Knicks need that 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 sort of calming presence in the team to to really to really be able to kick on. Yeah, absolutely. So I think I think that about covers it. We we have a huge a huge uh, episode coming soon uh, where we want to talk about these things, holes that teams can fill. Um, so that maybe that that'll be that will expand upon that because the Knicks are definitely one of those teams uh, that can use some changes that will I think be better for it, but. Hopefully this has been a common presence for your difficult Wednesday. We're halfway through the week here. It's just about the holiday season. We're already getting crazy games like the, the Suns and the Warriors last night. We get again on Friday. Can't wait for that. And we get again on Christmas as well, I think. So th- this is this is just a great way to start off the holidays. Great way to start off the NBA in December. And we'll be watching the Knicks and Bulls tomorrow night. I want to lock in your prediction for that. How are you feeling after playing the Nets? Coming within two points against, what is this, the best team in the East? Maybe. 
Hey, let, let's let's be confident. Let's say they're gonna kick on from that, and they're gonna and they're gonna find a way to get the W. It's gonna be like that first uh, first night in the in Chicago. <laughs> well, we'll see. You guys do tend to play a little bit better away from home, um, but at any rate, guys, thanks for joining us again on this Wednesday morning. We'll talk to you later, and don't forget, love every shot, love every moment. What is it again? Come on, get it right. <laughs> Take every shot and love every moment. Come on, man. Man, that's your hashtag. I need my I need my own hashtag. We're, we're, I got to get my hashtag in the outro too. <laughs> <laughs> You gotta work. You gotta work. You gotta work with hard to figure that out. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. I'll talk to you later. Peace. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Coast to Coast. Don't forget to hit us up on Instagram and Twitter at Coast to Coast NBA Podcast to hear your takes discussed right here on the show. And remember, take every shot and love every moment.